Welcome back to our class, Encounters with Jesus. We're in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. Jesus issuing a scathing indictment of the religious establishment, which is then followed by this exemplary model of piety, devotion, and generosity. This humble, anonymous widow receives more attention in the annals of biblical history than the pretentious scribes. Mark 12, 41 says, He sat down opposite the treasury, and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. When a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny, and he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to, this, to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Well, we saw last time that the scribes were the materialistic, money-loving misers of Jesus' day, constantly grabbing for wealth and power. Their hearts were discontent and always looking for the next hit of approval or praise, covering their greed and avarice with a veneer of piety, exploiting the vulnerable, abusing the generosity of those who did not have the means to give. And we may be more like the scribes than we care to admit. For many of us, a heart of resolute trust in God is our greatest need because our hearts are restless and ornery and discontent and disagreeable. We're regularly frustrated and annoyed, always striving and grasping and controlling. So little peace and so little trust. And our passage today presents us with a portrait of trust, devotion, commitment to God. And it comes from a surprising place, from someone who is considered weak and insignificant, this poor anonymous widow who was overlooked by the crowds because she wasn't flashy or uh, shiny in any way. She, was, uh, she wasn't glamorous or noteworthy, but she was the very embodiment of resolute trust. She knew what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus. She knew the cost involved in following after Christ. She knew what it meant to courageously and sacrificially obey. And Jesus draws attention to her as a model for us to follow. It's a deliberate contrast between her and the religious professionals. All of these groups that have been trying to discredit Jesus and humiliate him, Pharisees and Sadducees and the scribes. So this is a very deliberate contrast. They were the hypocrites. They did not care for the widows. They devoured widows. And Jesus compares their faith with hers. And first, her faith is seen in her contribution, her, what I'm calling the widow's two cents. And then we hear the Lord's loving tribute. So there's her two cents and the tribute from the Lord. So first of all, the widow's two cents, her faith-filled contribution. And Jesus, again, has issued this scathing indictment of the religious establishment in verses 38 through 40. He says, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. All of this outward show of religiosity was covering up their true motives of using people and the generosity given to them and the praise given to them to, to fulfill their own ambitions, their own selfish ambitions. The scribes were the professional clergy, respected biblical scholars, experts in the law, who commanded authority in the community. But Jesus says they were utterly void of true life. They didn't really love God. They didn't really serve others. They used their position and authority to advance their own selfish agenda. They adorned themselves outwardly with these ornate, elegant robes, but they ignored the inner adornment of faith and love and godliness. 
They held others to high moral standards that they themselves had no intention of keeping. And they piled on pretentious prayers as a way to cover up their moral bankruptcy. Jesus had strong words of condemnation for them. They will receive the greater condemnation. That was in verse 40. So in contrast to the scribes, these religious professionals, there is this widow. The scribes, they're pretentious and prideful. She was humble and faithful. And in contrast with Jesus as well. The scribes devoured widows. Jesus cared for the widows and the orphans. They were objects of his love and concern. Deuteronomy 10, 18 says he executes justice for the fatherless and the widow. Psalm 68, verse 5 says, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. Uh, we've seen several times already that Mark's gospel portrays Jesus as Lord and servant. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So think of a king at his coronation. There's always pomp and pageantry jewel-encrusted crowns and scepters. When George VI was made king of England, his coronation had all of those elements, but he was also king during World War II. And in photographs from those dark days, you see him touring parts of London after it had been bombed to rubble by the Nazis, and he would be accompanied by the Queen or by Winston Churchill. And in those pictures, he's not wearing his crown or carrying a jewel-encrusted scepter. He's wearing a a military uniform or a regular suit and derby hat. Churchill reported in his memoirs that as the king walked through the rubble, he would weep as he would look at the devastation and the stalwart spirit of his suffering people. He would weep and as people would watch their king weeping for them. They would say over and over how he loves us. He loves us. And Mark portrays our Lord Jesus in a way completely opposed to the scribes. There were no no ostentatious or ornately decorated robes, no honorary titles, no moral hypocrisy. He came to save weak sinners who needed his grace, mercy, and love. And if we want to see his kingly glory and pageantry, we must behold him on the cross, dying for us. That is the kind of love and service of which the scribes had no clue. And so naturally, as Jesus tries to show his disciples, he wants to show them examples Followers who demonstrate sacrificial love and undying gratitude. And he found such an example in this poor widow. In verse 41, she's a portrait of humble service and resolute trust. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. Uh, the temple would have been a great place for people watching. And Jesus sat himself down, placed himself across from one of these collection boxes so he could observe the people giving so Jesus was intentional. He sat down to watch people put money in the receptacle. Uh, most of us don't like to talk about money. It creates a lot of awkward tension because it's a, it's a private matter. But here Jesus makes it his business to watch us give. He does not apologize for watching with intense interest what we do with the money that he has entrusted to us. Now it's not that he needs our money. You cannot add to his riches, but he does own your money, and he can give it or remove it as he sees fit. You are his steward. He is interested in how you manage the funds that he has given to you. So these dozen or so collection boxes around the temple were in public locations, and no doubt some took advantage of the public nature of these offering boxes and made sure that the, sign of their the size of their donation was clearly audible. Uh, the receptacles were shaped kind of like a trumpet, 
trumpet, uh, trumpet shaped and made of brass. And this was before people wrote checks, right? And before credit cards. So if you dropped a coin into one of these brass receptacles, it could be heard. And so the rich people would plunk in large sums of money and the coins rattling repeatedly as they hit the bottom of the metal offering box. But then there comes this poor widow with her two cents, her contribution. It says in verse 42, a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. These are the smallest coins in circulation. Very thin, very light, would probably barely make a sound as they dropped into the box, which means her gift seems unimportant, unnoticed, insignificant. But it does not go unnoticed by the Lord. It might go unnoticed by the masses or by the rich people who are elbowing their way in there, dropping in their large sums of money. She drops in her light uh, two little pennies, but it does not go unnoticed by the Lord. Her donation was a picture of total, complete sacrifice to God. Uh, this woman was probably in desperate financial straits. She's a widow. She's vulnerable. I don't know about you. I would have given her a free pass. In modern terms, if she made an abysmally low, say, $3.50 an hour, she would have put in about 50 cents. It's small change. And if she only gave one of the two coins, that's... 50%. She's still giving a higher rate than most of us give. But according to Jesus, she gave more than all the rich combined. So the widow gives her two cents. And now we hear Jesus give his two cents. His assessment of the situation is the most valuable, the most accurate. His, his approval is the one that matters. So the widow gives her two cents. Now we hear the Lord give his loving tribute. Jesus has the final word. He takes out the balance scales of eternity. He measures those two copper coins compared with the heavy shekels and gold coins of the rich. Verse 43, he calls his disciples to him and says, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. More. More than all the rich combined. Is that possible? Yes, that's what Jesus says. Uh, maybe we say, Jesus, there's something wrong with your arithmetic. Wouldn't $1,000 be, be worth more for God's kingdom than 50 cents? Can't he do more with large amounts than with small amounts? If we were analyzing this in strictly financial terms, the widow's offering is minuscule. Her gift would require a mere dash of the pen in the temple's accounting books, far outweighed by the donations of the rich. But with a divine exchange rate, things look differently. In the book of life, her actions were forever remembered by the Lord Jesus. I remember visiting uh, uh, Scotland several years ago, exchanging $100 into British pounds in the airport. And so I carried around those British pounds with me. This is a, this is a short trip. And a few days, a few days later, I went back to the same airport and I had spent none of that money because our host took excellent care of us. So I decided to get my American dollars back. And so I, I had started with $100, exchanged it, but got back 75. I paid $25 to carry those British pounds in my pockets for a few days. I was not a fan of that exchange rate. And in the divine economy, the Lord's exchange rate is the only one that counts. And we can all be happy with his exchange rate. 
According to Jesus, this widow's contribution far outweighed the contributions of the rich. How could this widow give more than the rich? Well, the answer is in verse 44. They all contribute out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Everything about this woman has been described in terms of less, less money, less significance, less status, less importance. And yet Jesus says her expression of devotion and piety is incomparably more, more generous, more substantial, more important. The rich gave out of their abundance, but she gave out of her poverty. She felt the pinch. The rich did not. Her giving was sacrificial. Theirs was not. So this poor widow embodied Jesus' teaching to take up her cross, to deny self and service to others. She obeyed the greatest commandment to love the Lord with all her heart, soul, mind, and strength. The wealthy gave out of their surplus after their own needs were met. They never felt the joyful pinch of self-denial in the cause of something higher and greater than self. So Jesus measures giving not by the amount given, but by the cost to the giver. It cost these big donors very little, barely put a dent in their wallets. This woman gave more because it cost her everything. This poor widow spared nothing, just as God spared not his own son, but gave him up for us all. And how will he not also with him freely give us all things? This poor widow spared nothing. She was a picture of resolute trust. She's a picture of the gospel outworked faith, working itself out in love. Others gave from their surplus. She gave from her poverty. Paul committed the Macedonians who gave out of severe affliction and extreme poverty and their giving overflowed in a wealth of generosity. We're told in 2 Corinthians 8 verses 1 through 4. So Jesus doesn't look at the dollar amount so much as he looks at the heart, the motive, the quality of the gift. Some of us may be too stingy. We keep the best gifts for ourselves and our cash flow mirrors our heart flow. Jesus says where your treasure is there your heart will be also. So one of the best ways to determine the direction of our hearts is by what we give to God. Jesus knows your bank balance, and he knows right away the object of your affection and allegiance. You might say, but I have so little. And if you have little, this story is very encouraging. Jesus knows your bank balance. He knows what's in your heart. He judges accordingly. Uh, it may be insignificant. What you give to the cause of Christ may be insignificant to the rest of the world. But if Jesus says it's good, then it's good. Christ multiplied this widow's gift by millions and billions. A small gift can accomplish much. Maybe it might purchase a Bible or a New Testament that leads to the conversion of another Spurgeon or Whitfield. Maybe it'd be the instrument of great revival. So, the commendable things about this widow pointed out to us by Jesus. We could say she lived for what would last. She did not hoard her pennies. There is a, a tale of an eminent man full of love, of letters, and art who drew near the end of his life, and one day an old family servant found him moving slowly through his splendid library, and he touched many a treasured volume with gentle hands, gazing at the many beautiful paintings. And as he moved slowly about, he said over and over, I must leave you. I must leave you. So this widow lived for what would last. Her giving was bold, courageous, sacrificial. She gave all that she had. She did not seek to protect herself from future calamity by overestimating her legitimate needs. 
She opened her hand and freely gave with humble courage. And her resolute trust was grounded in good theology. She knew with absolute certainty that God would provide for her needs. Jesus' comments indicated that this was the case. She gave knowing that God would not fail her. She sacrificed everything because she knew God was gracious and glorious, that he could do abundantly beyond all she asked or thought. Her generosity reflected a heart transformed by grace, not the stinginess of greed and avarice that we find in the scribes. She's full of hope and faith and gratitude, obeying no matter the cost. R.G. Letourneau was a prolific inventor of earth-moving machinery. His machines represented nearly 70% of the earth-moving equipment and engineering vehicles used during World War II. A wealthy man, a Christian philanthropist, he gave away 90% of his income. But he found that the money came in faster than he could give it away. Letourneau said, I shovel it out and God shovels it back, but God has a bigger shovel. So here this woman lived for what would last, her giving was bold and courageous, her resolute trust was grounded in good theology, and she left us a legacy of unconditional obedience. Uh, the wealthy donors in this story went unrecognized by Jesus. The real hero is this anonymous a widow who gave all for God. A few years ago, my wife and I went to an estate sale in our neighborhood, and as we walked into the house, we were met by mounds of stuff antiques collectibles furniture you've been to these estate sales and or even the cleaning products are on sale and you walk through the house and you say this these things used to be somebody's prized and cherished possessions and everything was for sale for a fraction of its original worth and uh my wife and i both commented on how humbling this felt this this is the end of your stuff it will go to someone else all of our treasures gone and so we reckon with the question, what will last? This poor widow had reckoned with the question of what will last and was willing to give all for Christ. She lived for eternity. Her two copper coins symbolized an undivided heart of obedience. And the Lord took her insignificant and seemingly unnoticed gift, and she multi he multiplied that gift a thousand times ten thousand. And he can do the same for us.